Welcome to Rock Solid Ministries Frontline Servants Program, where we visit with men and women on the front lines of kingdom service. For more information about our free revival ministry, or to explore more of our audio and video recordings, visit our website at rocksolidministries.org. Again, rocksolidministries.org. My guest today is evangelist Nate Strickland of the Burlington, Colorado Christian Church. Now, I've known Nate since he was a little fellow running around in his parents' front yard, and I've been acquainted with the Burlington congregation since 1981 when Beth and I came to serve the church and community. Still, there is much about you, Nate, that I don't know, and I don't know a lot about your spiritual journey uh, and your path or paths that eventually brought you into full-time ministry. So I'm looking forward to hear about that. Now, I'm going to apologize at the very beginning if I call you by your dad's name, uh, who just uh, to you know put this out there for folks to know that, that he is, his dad is Greg Strickland, and uh, who is partners with us along with Lori in this ministry. And if I call you by your brother's name, who I've worked with before and have a podcast with him, I just apologize and you just, you just look at me and say, Nate. All right? I can do that. All right. So, Brother Nate, uh, tell us your story. Well, I was born in uh, Coffeyville, Kansas in 1996. Um, we actually lived in Indian Point, Kansas. My dad preached in Deering, Kansas, and I was born in Coffeyville, Kansas. So, we were <laughs> kind of all around there in, in uh, southeast uh, Kansas. Uh, but it wasn't long before, uh, I didn't spend very much time there, it wasn't long before um, Dad moved us to South Haven, and that's where I did a lot of my... Uh, now, South my, Haven where? South Haven, Mississippi. Okay. Yes. A so, suburb of Memphis. Yes, sir. Yes, okay. sir. And that's where I did a lot of my my growing up, and I was there from, oh, probably about 2 to 10 or 12, something like that, and so uh, we were there for uh, uh, quite a good time, and, and that's actually uh, where I... Um, Come to know the Lord, and um, um, as Brother Tom mentioned, um, I was. Uh, if the church doors were open, I was there, you know, and yeah. it it didn't matter uh, uh, if we were having a service or if Dad was in the office or whatever, you know, we were there, and and uh, and uh, so I, that's where I come to know the Lord, and um, my dad preached, you know, the plan of salvation every Sunday, and. And, uh, you know, hearing that, growing all the way, uh, from the time you're little until, you know, 10 or 12 years old, whenever it's about that time to make that decision, you know, I knew what needed to be done, and and uh, we were able to do that. And did, your, did you tell your parents before, or was it just a decision you made on a Sunday, or you've been working up to it? Well, I, I don't, maybe he'll tell you different, but I think I might have took that off of, uh, by surprise a little bit um, I think one night we were just sitting in the in the living room and I told dad I said I think I want to be baptized and and he said well what is that you know what does that mean you know kind of probe and make sure I understood what I was doing and and it, I think it was a Saturday night and he said well tomorrow morning we're, we'll just go ahead and get that done it was late late uh, Saturday night and so I was baptized, and and uh, and how old would you can you remember? It was May first, two thousand five. Uh, um, so nine, ten years old. Yeah, I, I was I was about that age, and and so uh, good age. 
Yeah. yeah. And and but you know, uh, from there we went to uh, um, Kansas, and um, we were us kids were very involved in starting um, the church there in in uh, Franklin County, uh, Kansas. That's in southeast Kansas, right? Yes, yes, right. and yeah. um, that that was a really good experience for for me and my siblings. Um, at least, at least I think maybe they would disagree, but <laughs> uh, but um, you know, you really learn uh, when you're starting a church. Um, if there's a job to be done, just step up and do it, you know, and and um, you really gain a, a appreciation for folks in the ministry because you spend a lot of time. Handing out flyers or handing out water at the fair, or, or um, our our church came in a in a trailer, and we would unpack a trailer and set it up in a community center every Sunday, and then pack it all up and put it back in the trailer every Sunday after church, and and um, have church will travel. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and so, and you know, you you get really um, you gain a, a lot of appreciation um, for that, but um, um, when we left there. Uh, we built that church up to, I say we, um, I was just a little guy. I wasn't doing very much at all. But. You were probably doing an awful lot. You know, <laughs> if I can just take a side to this, the, the preachers are listening, that sometimes they say, well, I, you know, I don't know if I want to take my kids into new church work, you know, and and uh, particularly if you're if you're going in on your own, you know, or, or with a very little income, you know, type situation, which your dad and I have done both, but I... I'd say it was, it's one of the best learning experiences for your kids. Absolutely. Uh, when, when we moved to Tennessee, I told my kids, uh, <laughs> we can't do this without you. Mm-hmm. you. You've got to be involved, and they really were. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, that was, uh, at least at that church there in southeast Kansas, um, we got a lot of, of members by bringing our friends and then you know their mom would come pick them up and then you know maybe a couple weeks of doing that you know their mom would come with them and then their dad would come with them and so um uh children can play uh, an important role especially in church planting if you let them and and that's that's the key thing is you know i'm guilty of it too as a parent but you know sometimes you think it's easier for you to to let, let the kids go outside and play and do this and that but um, it was a really good experience for us, and, and I think that that, uh, um, you know, got me ready in maybe a, a different aspect um, uh, for ministry there. But um, we had built that church up to, oh, probably 150 to 200 people, and then we left for Marshfield, Missouri. And that's where I spent junior high and high school. I graduated high school there, and um, that was a... A, a new startup church that um, that had come in and started preaching for, and and um, it was there that I I did um, uh, dedicate my life to uh, uh, to the ministry, um, though I did not uh, immediately fulfill that uh, uh, dedication. So, how old were you when about when you made that decision? I was. I would say I was probably fifteen or sixteen. I, yeah. I was well into high school, and and um, you were sharing the gospel, inviting your friends to church because I, I held revivals there, and we had tons of teenagers, mm-hmm. tons of teenagers. And though I know a lot of teenagers were working at it, as as well as other church members, your you and your brother and sister, 
we're bringing people in too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, in fact, I, I love to say about one one night of revival. Uh, last night we had 260 people in church, and 60 of them were teenagers. Yeah, we yeah. had a we had a, a great big uh, a youth group, and and that's that church is actually where I baptized uh, my the first person I didn't baptize was there, and and um, it was one of my <coughs> friends that uh, I had brought along, and I, I got to baptize three or four of my other friends there, and and um, and that was a good experience too. Um, but that's when I, I uh, decided that I thought that I wanted to do ministry. And after high school, I went to Mid-South Christian College for uh, for one year, two semesters. And uh, I was telling you uh, yesterday, my first semester was great. I had good grades, had good attendance. But then I met this little girl from Alabama, and she was really cute. And we started <laughs> hanging out too much. And I didn't do so hot my second semester. And and uh, we ended up getting married, and you know, uh, you find out real quick when you get married, you need a full time job. And so uh, I left school so that I could start working. And at that time, anyway, I thought that was the end of ministry for me. Um, uh, I never wanted to be a a uh, a preacher, especially. Um, I I always said that if um, that if um, God led me to serve in the church. I would I would serve in any way that He led me to do. But I was not going to preach. I was not going to um, uh, be an elder or a deacon. Because uh, growing up, you know, you with a dad in the ministry, you you see the ugly parts of and there the are ministry. just yeah. like and and like we say in in anything you do in your life, there's probably going to be an ugly side, something that you don't that you wish wasn't there. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, and and uh, you know I, I I saw that and I thought you know that's not something that I ever want to go through. Um, that's not something that I ever want to put my wife and children through. Because um, even you know some of the nasty things that happen in church, it doesn't just affect the preacher, but his wife and and their kids. It, it can affect their entire life, and you know that's just not something that. Um, I wanted to do, and it, at at that time in my life, um, even whenever I was thinking about going into ministry, I wanted to to be a uh, a worship minister. I wanted uh, to play music, and that seemed kind of a little bit more my speed. And and um, and actually, it was at this time um, that something ugly had uh, happened in our home church there in Mississippi, and. Um, I'm embarrassed. Or Missouri? Missouri? In Mississippi, yeah. Oh, Mississippi, okay. Um, right after we had gotten married, which I guess I should back up and okay, say. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I, I should say uh, I'm married, I've been married for, uh, it'll be seven years in August um, to my beautiful wife, Madison. And we got two little girls, um, Ayla Mae Royal and Allie Marie Magnolia. And they're. Um, That's not a southern name at all, yeah, is it? Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> but, uh, but, um, um, it was during that time where Madison was pregnant with our oldest that we had something real ugly go happen in our home church, and um, in a lot of ways, um, um, me and my my brother was attending with us at the time. We were kind of uh, blamed for that, um, at least in some aspects, and and um, and we were trying to bring light to a dark situation, but. Um, the church didn't see it that way, or at least the leadership didn't see it that way. Yeah. 
And so uh, we took a step back, and um, I'm embarrassed to say that uh, uh, me and my wife, we stopped attending uh, church services regularly for a while. Um, I was so hurt, because this is the same church that I had been baptized into. Um, This is the same people that I've known since I was two years old. And um, that really hurt us for uh, for a long time, and and um, so we we actually stopped attending church. And but um, it's kind of been the story of my life. Thank goodness I'm married to the woman I'm married to, because she put her foot down and said we need to just we need to get back into church. And and I said, well, yeah, I, I would have to agree with you. I knew that what I was doing or wasn't doing in that case, right. um, I knew that uh, it was wrong. But I was I was bitter. My heart was bitter, and and uh, I didn't want to uh, go through that situation again because it hurts when people who call themselves and are supposed to be your brothers and your sisters do something like that to you. And um, and so um, we started going to uh, a, a Christian church uh, in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, at the time, it was uh, Eastwind. But they've since uh, moved locations and and changed their name. But um, East Wind there with uh, um, uh, the Whitlocks there. Right. Jeff were, Whitlock. Jeff yeah. Whitlock was uh, ministering there at the time. And um, that's kind of where I regained, uh, I don't want to say I lost my faith, but kind of where I uh, rededicated my life maybe. Um, right. Just a kind of a time where um, I knew that... Uh, me kind of stepping away from church was not the the best thing for me to do, and and uh, that I needed to get back to do that. So, um, and kind of being more involved. Um, so I kind of went feet first, and I started playing on the um, the worship team, and I started um, doing communion and stuff there, just getting back into the to the groove of serving, um, as we're all called to to be doing. Um, so I did that, and. Uh, um, during during those times where uh, in between college and when I went into ministry, um, I was a I was a blue collar guy. I was I worked in the factory, um, creating window units. Uh, I worked uh, construction and I did a lot of different things. And I thought that that's kind of where I was going to end up. You know that that suited me. Um, I enjoyed the work. Um, I really enjoyed the pay, uh, <laughs> um, but. God had other plans, and in 2019, um, I decided that I wanted to go into the army. I wanted to go into the service, and um, uh, we went through the the whole rigmarole of of getting enlisted and and uh, getting me checked out by doctors and this and that to to go to basic. And the day that I was supposed to ship out to go to Fort Benning, Georgia. Um, I was just minutes away from swearing in. Um, a sergeant came came through the door and called my name and brought me in the office. And he said, uh, "Something came up on your medical. You're not you're not qualified anymore. You know you can go to the doctor and and get records from him. When we when we come back, we'll look at the records and um, if it's not a big deal, then you can go and go go uh, get back on track and go into the service." Um, well, funny enough, I went and got the medical records and brought them back up to the recruiting station, gave them all the records, and they said, well, we can't read it, right? Just as 
scribbly as <laughs> most doctors are. Um, they couldn't read it, so um, they said, you know, as far as the U.S. Army is concerned, you know, you, you can't. You have it. So, uh, Jonah, what'd you do then? <laughs> um, so I actually, I started working at a restaurant. I was a, I was a server at a restaurant. That's something that I had never done. And um, uh, I wasn't making very much money as a server, not enough to support my family. And I was talking to my dad one day and, and uh, he said, you know, there's this little church in Amory, Mississippi. And I didn't know at the time where Amory was. Um, he said, um, he had, they hadn't told me that they were going to pay pay anybody to come fill in, but um, call them up and ask them if you can go fill in, and and I'm sure they would, you know, at least take care of your gas. And it was it was what a couple of hours from Memphis. Yeah, it, it is probably uh, two and a half, may, maybe not quite two and a half hours. And, uh, Amory, I'll, I'll say for our listeners, Amory is a, a partner church with Rock Solid Ministries. Mm-hmm. They've been partnering with us to bring. Uh, revival all across the country for well I don't know how many years now so your dad and I were both aware of their situation and they'd been through a difficult situation and, mm-hmm. and uh, we had both done a, when we could when we weren't traveling we'd gone down there and done some preaching yeah yeah and uh and you know he said you know call up uh I believe it was Chad Logan was the uh one of the elders at the time he said call up Mr. Chad and, and see uh see if he'll let you come down and preach and and, um, you know, I had not preached but one sermon in my entire life at this point. But um, I thought, well, you know, maybe they might pay me a couple dollars to come down and preach because I was hard up for money at the time. And and uh, so sure enough, I went and I, I preached for them. And um, um, after a couple of weeks of preaching for them, they said, well, we, we can't give you a salary, but... How how's about a hundred dollars a week to come down and preach? And I thought that was all right. I was I was okay with that. And you were preaching morning and evening services. Yes, I was right. preaching twice twice on uh, on Sunday morning and evening. Uh, on top of you know working throughout the week at the restaurant at that time. And and I'll tell you, I was not a preacher when I when mm-hmm. I walked into that church. Uh, um, those uh, those folks really. Uh, really took care of me, and they were very patient with me. In fact, one of my uh, one of my very first sermons that I preached there, you know, as people um, are leaving, you know, the preacher stands at the back and shakes hands, right, and kisses babies and all that kind of thing. And, <laughs> and uh, everybody was saying, you know, Nate, that was a good sermon. That was a good sermon. And then one old lady, she come and shook my hand, and she said, "Nice try." And <laughs> And, you know, and that was and that was true. She was probably the most honest out of all those people. Um, I didn't know how to preach. I didn't uh, uh, particularly want to preach. I didn't think that was something that God had in my life. Um, but as that uh, went on, as me just filling in, um, they asked me to become their interim minister. That I would stay there on a little bit more of a permanent basis and... Um, and they were going to up my pay to $200 a week. So I was really about that. So, so that was good. And, and uh, I, I can't, I can't uh, finish that part of the story without saying that uh, Furman and Annie Glow Anderson were, were such an encouragement there. And, and they, they would always tell me, um, 
things that I can work on, but in a very loving way and a very compassionate way. And um, even if I, even if he couldn't say I had a good sermon, he would always uh, sit me down on the front row with him, and he would say, "Nathan, I'm so proud of you that you're preaching the word." That's something that really meant a lot to me because I was nervous and I was self-conscious about my sermons and him just telling me, I'm proud of you for even doing, you know, the not so good a job that I may have been doing really meant a lot. Well, Furman's reputation, because he'd been in, in the state for over 40 years, yes, sir. maybe close to 50, uh, and everybody knew Furman oh, yeah. and knew what a kind man he was, but he was a retired preacher and and for a retired preacher to say he's proud of you, now Furman and Anglo have both gone on to be with the Lord since that time, mm-hmm. and Anglo just recently. But Furman, we interviewed Furman, and I encourage our listeners to go back. I don't know what number it is. You'll have to go back in there. I should. I need to make a list of these because it seems the longer I go, more people refer back to people that influenced them that I've interviewed. But I encourage you to go back. If you want to hear a real Southern preacher talk about his life and, and ministry, go back and look up Furman Anderson, yeah. but a fine man. Yes, uh, Furman and Andy Glow Anderson, they were so fine to me. And, and I, you know, now that I mention their names, uh, there's a, a ton of other names that flow into my my mind from there, from North Boulevard and, and Amory. And really, it was, it was the whole church. They were just very patient with me and, and it allowed me to grow, which is something that, um, uh, you know, not a lot of people allow a preacher to grow. They kind of want a polished preacher coming in, and and uh, sometimes that that's just not the case. I, if I mention, I, and I'm I'm kind of proud of it to say this, and I ought not be have let your pride show, uh, and you ought not have pride anyway. But I'm proud to say that that you got to do your first funeral with me. Yes. And and uh, that was that's something I'm never going to forget. Every once in a while it pops up on my memories on the computer, you know, and you may stand there at the funeral home. But but uh, Chad, who you mentioned, mm-hmm. he and Steve Logan, they lost their mother. And I was uh, I was home from traveling, and they asked if I would do the funeral. And uh, we, we all agreed that you should have a part in that because that's something that we knew you were going to do, whether you knew at that point or <laughs> not, you're going to keep doing it. We all knew you were going to do it, so... Uh, and you did a great job then too. Yes, and that 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 whole family, the Logans, all of them, they were even to this day very friendly and very encouraging, and 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 I owe I owe a lot to uh, North Boulevard. They they really um, were an important part of the beginning of my ministry. And how long were you there filling in? I was there for a good little bit. Um, I. I honestly couldn't tell you when I started um, but uh, I believe it was in uh, early 2019 and I preached there all the way up until um, September of 2019 so I was there probably nine months eight months something along those lines and um, and uh, um, they wanted uh, a minister with a little bit more experience which is just fine I, I don't hold that against them at all and and so I knew that I wasn't going to be their their full time minister, and and so um, uh, but at this time, even as I was preaching for that long over the weekends, uh, I never thought that ministry would would become my full time vocation. Um, but I remember one day, Dad uh, 
shot me a text and he said, do you think this is um, your calling or do you think it's a job? And he said, if it's just a job right now, he said, that's okay. He said, but if it's a calling, then, you know, you might need to have a more serious conversation with the Lord about that and see where he wants you to go. And I still didn't think it was my calling, <laughs> but, you know, I, I told Dad that um, that I would. I'd, I'd pray about it, and I would think about it a little bit more seriously. Um, and then not so long after that, uh, you, I, I believe it was you actually, had, yeah. had called me, and you said, there's two churches out in Colorado that need a, that need a minister, and um, they were wanting to know if, if you would be interested in applying, and um, I did not know where Burlington or Cheyenne Wells, Colorado was. I had it was not on my map. I, I didn't know anything about those towns, but um, I got to t- we got to talking a little bit, and um, I got to praying about it and talking with my wife, and I decided, you know, I think that this might be something that um, we should at least um, look into. So, I, how, how did Maddie feel about that? Um. <laughs> she she had been in Memphis um, nearly her whole life, and uh, she was um, kind of used to the bigger uh, the bigger cities. And um, she was she never once um, said that she wouldn't go. She was very supportive in that. She kept telling me, um, "I'll go wherever God tells you to go. I'll I'll you know if you're listening to God, I'll listen to you. You know, kind of deal." And, and uh smart woman yeah yes yes sir and uh as i said that's kind of the story of my life since we've been married is is uh there's not very much that i could do or could have done without her she's she's definitely an important part of my ministry um but we moved out here and that was that was a big adjustment for for madison and both of my girls um i had been in and out of a few small towns here and there and I enjoy the small town life, but uh, Madison and my girls had not experienced that. Yeah, and so uh, we knew it was going to be an adjustment. But um, uh, when we got out here, um, I started preaching. I mean, we just took to it like fish to water, and and um, I told my my mama the other day, I said I don't think I'm ever going to leave here unless. Mm. Uh, um, the Lord leads me somewhere else, and I and then I turned to her and I looked at her. And I said, "But it is going to take the Lord to lead me somewhere else <laughs> if I'm going to leave." Um, we we absolutely love it here. Um, and the town is what three thousand yeah, in Burlington, a, and, and, a little bit over. And Shine Wells, you were doing both churches for a while. And Shine Wells, I always said, I think there's more cattle in Shine Wells than there are people. Yes, and, and down there it's and about forty miles south of here. Yes, and 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 I I was holding a revival here. And that's where I found out that they were looking and, and needing someone. And and uh, having been their ministry years before, uh, you you came right to my mind because I knew what a good job you were doing, Amory. Well, I, I, I do appreciate that because, like <laughs> as I said, we love it out here. Um, yeah, kind of how that that started is both of these churches were um, looking for a minister, but neither one of them could afford to pay a minister enough to want to come to. Out in the middle of nowhere, um, but um, but you know I I decided that I'd give it a, a shot and and so I would preach here in Burlington at nine o'clock um, until ten o'clock. Well, I wouldn't preach the whole time. We'd have our service from nine to ten, right. 
And then from 10 to 11, I would be traveling south to Cheyenne Wells. And then from 11 to 12, we would have our service in Cheyenne Wells. And and then um, I, while I was in Cheyenne Wells, I would also preach at the nursing home and then at another congregation um, that needed somebody to fill in. So I, you I would, know, that's something I didn't know. Yeah, so I, I, would, I would preach up to four or five times in a Sunday. Um, when I was with both churches. So the man with no experience was getting a lot of experience. Yeah, yeah. I got thrown right into it. So, <laughs> But but it was good. And and I'll say this about uh, Burlington and China Wells Christian Churches. Is the same as uh, North Boulevard is. Um, they were very, very patient and very, very um, loving. And, and there were things even outside of preaching just within the ministry that I had never had to deal with before. And that I didn't deal with in the best way possible or even a good way. There's many times that I really messed up, but um, a couple of guys uh, from each church, there was more than one time, you know, they would just pull me aside and say, hey, next time, try this. Or next time, um, be a little bit more compassionate or be a little bit more firm here or, you know, whatever the case may be. But... um, I think they kind of knew what they were getting, and they really helped me um, grow into that role. Um, that I'm no longer at Shining Wells Christian Church, and and uh, I ended up leaving there in the middle of last year. It's just been over a year now, and uh, it wasn't it wasn't a bad breakup, so to speak, or or anything of that nature. It, it just kind of got to the point where. Um, both churches had grown so much. When I got here, Burlington was maybe eight people, and Shine Wells was maybe only twelve or fifteen, and and now both churches are over um, thirty or forty people every Sunday, and um, and and that doesn't sound like a, a very large church for me to try to keep up with, but trying to keep up with two of those size churches forty miles away from each other. I was driving somewhere uh, between 400 and 500 miles uh, just uh, uh, back and forth to my offices. A week? Yeah. So. And, and we're and you didn't know where Burlington was, and so for our listeners, uh, and they're, since they're on uh, almost every continent in the world, they're not going to know where, where Burlington is, but it's in the plains, mm-hmm. uh, like you would see in a lot of the old Western movies. It's mm-hmm. in the plains and not far from Goodland, Kansas, both churches along the Kansas-Colorado state line. So in the winter, it can be brutal. The wind blows yes, all sir. the time here, and the snow drifts, and the wind, and the, the, the storms. It can be difficult to just to get from here to there yes. uh, when you're needed. Yeah, yeah and there were, there were definitely times where we woke up on Sunday morning, and I'd get in my pickup truck and and start driving south um, before either church service uh, was started, and, and you know I'd be on the on the phone with somebody down south in Cheyenne Wells, and they start driving north, and we talk. You know, is it is it good? Is it bad? You know, and um, technology uh, really really helped because I was able to live cast to the projector in Cheyenne Wells, and so I don't think that I ever actually missed preaching a Sunday there. I just wasn't there physically because your home. Uh, the parsonage is actually next door to the Burlington Church. Yes, so, so yeah. that worked. That worked out really well, and and um, um, 
But, you know, logistically, it was a little bit harder than I think anybody thought that it would be. Um, and so, I mean, kind of, it just kind of came to a point where um, both churches felt, not that I wasn't doing um, an adequate job, but just that I was being stretched so thin that both churches kind of weren't getting the attention that they needed. Right. And and I, I had felt that for a long time. I, I agreed with that. Um, you know, if... Uh, but, you know, being so far apart, it almost takes me an hour just to just to get to the other church. And so um, um, we sat down with them and, you know, I kind of explained to them that, that that's how I was feeling and they agreed. And so um, it didn't happen quite the way that uh, we wanted it to. Our plan was to grow the churches enough so that um, each church could hire their own full-time minister um, and we didn't think that we were at that point yet, but, uh, whenever I left, they did have another guy come in and, and they were able to do that for a while. And I don't believe that he's, um, there any longer, but, um, they, they were able to do that. And so, um, it was, uh, it was kind of God's timing on that. And, and, um, so, um, but now I'm here at Burlington full time and it, it's really been great. And we've, Every year that I've been here, we've been baptizing more people than the year before. So, so you you came in, you didn't come in 2020, did you? 2019, it was the Yeah, it came September. in August, September mm-hmm. of 19. So uh, you're you're coming close to three years. Yes, sir. Yeah, so three you have, I said you had surpassed my time here because I was, I was your age. Mm-hmm. And, and here I am now, um, you know, senior citizen. And I was only here two years and eight months before we moved on to Sterling, Colorado to work with a new church. But, uh, so I don't, you haven't quite, sir. Well, maybe you have. You have surpassed our <laughs> use. You mashed it. And, and that, that's quite an accomplishment for someone who's not from this area to come out here and to fall in love with the area. Because it is very different is. than from the South. And, mm-hmm. and the Mid-South, where you're from, and even Missouri, where you spend a lot of time. Mm-hmm. So uh, to come out here and fall in love with it. But you, you kind of like the cowboy life. I, I, I've, I've heard that your mother has learned some, some interesting stories about you as a teenager. <laughs> and and, and that, that kind of made you fit. That Maybe God, your mother might not have liked it, but God was working on your life to get you ready for cowboy life. I, I, I think so. You know, in, in high school, you know, we, I tell her, you know, I'm going off to, to Blake's house, and we're going to hang out. And she would say, okay, what time are you going to be back and everything? Well, what I, I always joke with her. I said, you just didn't ask the right questions. Because what she didn't know is I was going to Blake's house. I was going to hang out with Blake. But I didn't tell her that what me and Blake were going to be doing while we were hanging out, which was sneaking off to go ride bulls. And, uh, <laughs> and, and yeah, I think a lot of ways... Um, um, things throughout my life like like that and loving rodeo and being able to grow up around that really did um, prepare me for this because um, there is not a family in town here that is it does not uh, rodeo in some form or fashion I mean it, it I mean it is very much a part of everybody's life and and about the only thing uh, the only way to make a living I should say is to be a cowboy out here, and uh, and a lot. Of course, we have stores and that kind of thing, but um, um, 
the overwhelming majority of people out here are farmers or cowboys, and so I think that um, uh, I think that I kind of fell into that uh, kind of culture a lot easier than some that I could have gone to. So. Well, certainly you fell into it better than I did, <laughs> and my my greatest experience with the cowboy lifestyle here and rodeoing was I was constantly at the hospital mm-hmm. with members who had been injured in bull riding or one thing or another. And that's really uh, as involved as I got with rodeo. And so I was really excited to hear how much you had gotten involved and, and just immersed yourself in the whole community lifestyle. And, and it seemed like Maddie seems to like, she's really oh, yeah. adjusted to small town life. Oh yeah. 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 We, we really love it. And, and that's when we came here, we knew it was going to be work because we didn't know a single soul when we moved here. Of course, we had met people in, in church, but they weren't our friends, so to speak. You know, we, we had barely even knew these people um, at that time. And, and, of course, they became, you know, closer than friends to us now. But um, we knew that it was going to take some work to um, get into the community and, and, and really... Um, especially as an outsider who sounds like he has Novocaine in his mouth 24-7 to, <laughs> to these Yankees. Um, I was, you know, kind of stuck out like a sore thumb. So we just kind of, we just made it a point that we're going to go to every community event that, that um, the town puts on, that the county puts on. And um, if, if we ever see an ad where they need volunteers, we're going to volunteer. If, if they need um, people to work the rodeos, we would work the rodeos. And now that's kind of, I do all the, the, uh, CJ, CR, the junior rodeos, right? <laughs> I do all the junior rodeos and, and, uh, help with some other rodeos here in town and, and, and work those. And, and really we just did that just to meet people out in the community and, and be able to, to minister to them. And, well, people aren't going to walk into your office to meet you. That's right. And I, I think one of the shame, uh, shameful things the church has done over the years is to put office hours on their preacher. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want office hours, get a secretary. And the preacher, yeah, there should be some times he should be available mm-hmm. in the office. But but you're not going to be reaching the lost. And you're not going to be missing your congregation, usually, very much sitting in an office. Mm-hmm. Now, we have to spend time in the office. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're like me. We've kind of had to learn how to write sermons on our own. Yeah, And it takes us you know, a long time and takes guys who write good sermons a long time to start with. And then guys who had to learn on their own takes even longer. Absolutely. But it, it's a shame when churches say you will be in the office these hours. Well, and then they get upset if you're not, mm-hmm. but ministry is out there. Mm-hmm. And when we're not writing a sermon, we need to be out there with the people. I, I, I definitely feel that strongly. And, and, uh, I know your listeners uh, aren't going to be able to tell what I look like, but I don't look like a, a nor typical preacher, I'll say, and and that's actually been a plus, I think, in my ministry. I have uh, earrings and tattoos, and and I dress like a cowboy, and and um, when people ask me what I do for a living, I tell them I'm a preacher. Their eyes get looking like dinner plates, and you know, and then they kind of clean up their language a little <laughs> bit, and 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 that kind of thing, but. Um, really, it, it, it's, it's been nice because we've been able to get to know people without, we get to know the real them instead of um, them kind of tiptoeing around, you know, just because 
Um, we're just trying to be part of the community. We're trying mm-hmm. to do the same things that they are, help them in, in our community as, as they would help us in our community. And, and really that's, that's become a, a, a really important part of our ministry here is just doing as the people do, right? Right. So, well, I've, I've been coming back here, was holding revivals here in the 90s. Uh, we left in 83. I may have held a, a revival here in the 80s. I'm not sure, but I held a few in the 90s. And then uh, I think I've maybe six since we started traveling 18 years ago here in Burlington. And I, I have to say that right now this is about as healthy as I've seen the church in a lot of years. Uh, they had some good, strong growth going on in the uh, in the 90s, I think it was, when a fellow named Merlin and Abnett was here and doing a lot of uh, his hard-working fellow. But but um, uh, the church has had its ups and downs, like any church does. Sure. But it's it was good to come in here this week and be in revival with you and see the enthusiasm. And a lot of, a lot of visitors that are not actually members of the church here right now are attending and and uh, and they're come they came back this is Monday they came back Sunday night mm-hmm. and we had I, I don't know that we didn't have more last night than we had Sunday morning we uh, as as I was told anyway I didn't uh, have time to count but we had the exact same oh so, really yeah we they, they just spread out better yeah yeah, yeah Sunday morning they're all on one side of the building <laughs> yeah, and, there you and, go. and uh, well that was that that's really exciting to to see that type of thing happening mm-hmm. in a church and. Your enthusiasm, I know, is uh, is catchy. That people uh, see it around around them, and uh, and they're bringing their they're bringing their friends. Mm-hmm. They're talking to their neighbors, and I know you you don't let any opportunity pass without talking to right. to, to someone. If you're visiting with them, mm-hmm. it's on your mind because as I when I introduced you, I said evangelist because I know you're an evangelist. And because it's on your mind, is this person, is this person a Christian? Yes, sir. And if not, how do I get them from where mm-hmm. they're at to where they need to be? And uh, you and I were talking earlier about, uh, you were talking about the different steps to becoming a Christian. It was like different parts of a motor make a motor run. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember an old film strip series we used to use that said it was like a map that a fellow traveling from California to Florida. If he's asked how far is it to Florida and California, his answer would be different than it would be, say, in in New Mexico. Mm -hmm. And at each stage, wherever you're at in your journey to Florida, your answer is always going to be different. Mm -hmm. And uh, so what we've got to do is find out is where are these people at on their journey from California to Florida, Absolutely. and which I think is a great illustration nowadays since so many people are leaving California for Florida and other places. <laughs> but anyway, uh, and I, sorry to our California listeners, we have a lot of people in California listening. I don't, I don't mean anything derogatory, but uh, that's just the way the world is right now. But we need to find out where people are at mm-hmm. and and share the gospel with them. Well, I was saying again before the podcast, I was talking to you and saying that you are though I have interviewed maybe at least one other minister that. Uh, around your age, maybe a little bit older, I, I, you may be the youngest minister I have interviewed and definitely the one who has been in full-time ministry the least amount of time. So in your uh, uh, vast experience, we, we say, Kristen, when she writes something about the podcast, she'll say that we've got now thousands of years of, of wisdom and ministry in these podcasts mm-hmm. and, and you're adding three more years. <laughs> yes. But... 
in, in your vast experience, uh, how are you feeling about it? I, I, I love it. It, it, you know, I, my dad asked me the same question again, whenever, um, we kind of got settled into the, the Burlington, you know, is it, is it a job or is it a calling? And, um, it's a calling now. I, I fully believe that. And, and sometimes I think people are called just because, or maybe not just because, uh, let me rephrase. I think sometimes people answer the call because nobody else will. And I think that that is honestly, I think that's, I think that's me. It, it's not something that I wanted to do. And I fought it for a long time, as I said. Um, but I didn't see anybody else doing it. And, and I care about people's spiritual lives enough to say, okay, God, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll, I'll do something that I don't necessarily want to um, because I saw a, a, met, a need that needed to be met. That, um, and I'll tell you, I, other than my brother, who is uh, almost four years older than me, I don't know any ministers our age. I don't know any ministers um, personally um, um, 25 to 30. I did, you know, I know lots of youth ministers that age. I know lots of worship ministers that age, but I don't know any preachers um, in that age group, and and so you know, I, I it's it's it is a calling that I, I think that I've answered um, out of somewhat need uh, the the need for uh, the church's need, I should say. So, well, I'm reminded of a story of, of uh, a fellow by the name of George Scott, not the actor, but uh, he was a one-legged man who applied. For to go to and do mission work in China, and he was asked, "Why would you, as a one-legged man, want to go be a missionary in China?" And his answer was, "I don't see men with two legs going." Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think that uh, I'll attribute some of that attitude uh, towards my my dad. He he's always been that way, no matter what it was, spiritually or not. You know, just that kind of, do you see this that needs to be done? Is anybody else doing it? No? Well, then you can do it, right? And and that's that's kind of what uh, what I was referring to when I said that starting that church plant really kind of helped me prepare for that aspect as well. Because, you know, when you're basically loading a church into a trailer in and out every Sunday, you know, it, finally, it gets to this point where, um, if somebody's not doing it, you just got to step up and do it, or it's not going to get done. That's right. And so, and so that's that part of of uh, ministry I was very familiar with. And so, and other parts like at the actual preaching, not so much. Right. But that part, you know, I, I had down pretty well. So. Well, there a lot of times people get in ministry thinking that well, because they've heard so often, well, you only work on Sunday, and they mm-hmm. think that's all there is to it, and that's. That's like the tip of the iceberg yeah. of what ministry is. That little bit of time that you're behind the pulpit is the mm-hmm. tip of the iceberg because what's under the water, there's so much more going on. Absolutely. And you have to have a good work ethic. Uh, or uh, you, you just, uh, well, I, first of all, it's just wrong. Whatever you do, do as unto the Lord. And, and if, you're, if, you're not do, if you're doing it to pull a paycheck, which I've met ministers who do, mm-hmm. uh, uh, sure, you can do that. But that's a job. That's not a calling. And when it gets rough, you'll finally leave. When you yeah. really, ha- when it gets really tough enough, you'll finally leave. 
and and you won't go through the hard times. Uh, you you talked about your dad a little bit. I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> your mom's gonna love me about this. You know you know I love your mom and dad. I've known them for so long. Well, since your dad was your age, mm-hmm. and and uh, but one of the stories I like to hear that your mother talked about. And maybe you can elaborate on this, and I hope I'm not putting you on the spot. But uh, y'all all helped with she led worship, and mm-hmm. and uh, I know she has a number of times, but and particularly when you were in Missouri. Uh, and y'all were really involved in the worship services there. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you didn't feel very well, and and uh, you didn't you didn't feel like you could make it, didn't she have something to say about that? That you know if it, you know just how sick did you have to be that you couldn't be there? To... <laughs> well, so my uh, I I don't I couldn't tell you exactly what she said, but uh, uh, my my dad always. Uh, would say, you know, if, if if we were going to church or had a church event, we'd say, you know, I don't feel good. I don't want to go. My dad would say, well, did you puke? And we'd <laughs> say, no. And he said, okay, well, then you're fine to go. And one Sunday, I didn't feel good. And I said, I don't feel good. I don't think I want to go. He said, well, did you puke? And I said, yes, I did, actually. He said, well, don't you feel better? Let's go to church. <laughs> and and, and, that's, and that, that was really kind of, and I'm glad that they did. Because so many, so many kids, even even my age, kids, and and especially now, their parents don't make them do that, right? And and Scripture says, train up a child in the way that he should go, and he will not easily depart from it. And there's there's that, but then there's also, you know, do not forsake the assembly of believers, and and right. so um, they were very very much into um, uh, teaching me correct doctrine teaching me discipline and following that doctrine as well. Right. So. Well, that's the point I was trying to get to really was the, that the discipline of the Christian life yes. and the not forsaking the assembly, mm-hmm. uh, which as we know the last two years with, with uh, COVID and I put, I'm putting that in the little quotation marks, uh, those who have used that to stay away. And uh, of course we always want to get, understand that some people have some real health issues anyway and be understanding about that but uh it's it's far beyond that in a lot of cases Mm -hmm. what do you see uh, as uh uh, what do you see as a challenge the biggest challenge that that for for a minister today or maybe just maybe just you or maybe for the ministry for today um uh i would say in in a general sense of the biggest thing for a minister, uh, at least um, what I've seen, and we talked about this a little bit last night, was um, having to correct false doctrine, and mm-hmm. and and of course, you don't have to necessarily go over other things because they have that down. But especially the plan of salvation has been so diluted um, by so many congregations that it's it's hard to reteach somebody something. But it's really hard to reteach something to somebody that is the most important thing in their life that they've believed is one way for so long. Um, but more on a, on a personal level, the hardest thing for me, and this is because every, me and uh, my wife's family, uh, our families, me and my wife, um, are all still in Mississippi, and um, it gets really lonely. Yeah, it gets really lonely. Yeah, and uh, you know we've we've had some really hard times uh, losing family members. My my nephew, my my grandpa, and 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 
and you know having having not to be around other people that feel the same way that you do that hurt the same way that you do it gets really lonely and that's not to say that the uh church in Burlington aren't great people and great family I'm, it has nothing to do with them right you know it, it's one of those things where uh, we were talking about this earlier too of I've been to more cancer treatments and been praying for uh, cancer patients more than I've been to the hospital to um, pray with mothers who just gave birth. I've done more funerals than I have weddings. And it just, it gets really lonely sometimes. Because, you know, everybody, you have your own problems in life just like everybody else. But then everybody brings their kind of problems and and. The, and things of that nature to you, which is perfectly fine. That's why I'm here. I, I want to take those on with people, right? Right. Um, I, I want to do that for people. Um, but many times you feel like, well, who do I, who do I share the, those things with for me? Right. And, you know, and, and uh, um, folks, folks here have been great. And, but, you know, there's been times where... Um, me and Madison, we'll sit at home and we'll, something will be going on and we'll just cry together because we just feel so lonely. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's not in, every, not in every aspect, but when it hits, it hits hard, you know. Well, I was sharing with someone, uh, I think it was last night, about going through difficulties when we lived here. And, and mm -hmm. our family, our nearest family was central Arkansas, mm -hmm. uh, almost as far as you. And and uh, how Beth and I just sat on the couch sometimes just hugged each other and cried. Yeah. And because you know, uh, what else can you do? There's no one else to cry with. Mm -hmm. And and then uh, we shortly after we came here, uh, my my paternal grandmother passed away. I didn't feel like I could ask the time off to go back home mm -hmm. and be there with family. Uh, Beth lost family. Uh, we had a couple of miscarriages when we came here, and we had no family you know, around and, uh, it's difficult, but I, uh, something else I was talking with the other night at one of the, the, uh, or one of the fellowship times we had is that every difficult thing we go through, and I hope the ministers that are listening will listen and, and people who are not full-time ministry that, uh, I've been a Christian now since 1974. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, six, uh, that's, 48 years and I've been preaching for 47 full time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, we've been through a lot of difficulties and loneliness. And I guess probably not near as much loneliness as early missionaries in far flung parts sure. of the earth. But everything that we went through made us, made Beth and I who we are today mm -hmm. and allows us to minister to people in a way that we could not have had we not been through those hard times and those lonely times and uh, those difficult times with the churches sometimes mm -hmm. uh, and the difficult times with people outside the church have made us who we are so we can minister the way that we do. Mm -hmm. So uh, when I was going through it, I didn't say, oh boy, I get yeah. to go through this. It's going to make me a better person. Right. <laughs> but I look back now and I say, no, I don't want to do that again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I'm thankful I did. Yeah, and that I survived, and I didn't. I didn't quit being a preacher and go sell used cars or insurance, mm -hmm. and uh, which are pro fine professions. Let me sure. just say, sure. uh, <clears throat> so to speak. But anyway, <laughs> they are. But it's how God. It's how God shapes us and mm -hmm. and and makes us what He sees 
we're going to be. We can't possibly see what we're going to be when we're 24, 25. We can't see what God is going to make us to be when we're 65. And I, I sit across this table from you, and I think it's probably the same table I sit across and talk classes and for new <laughs> Christians here. And I see myself all those years ago, 41 years ago, and, and I think, boy, if I'd had a snapshot of now, uh, I don't think I'd have quit. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I realize now what God was doing then. Mm-hmm. Was there anything else you want to share before we go? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I, you know, I, as I said, um, well, I, I will share one more thing. Okay. Um, uh, you asked me about some struggles. Well, I'll, I'll tell you a blessing. Um, I, I've uh, one thing that has really been uh, a, a big blessing about being in the ministry is is having kids while you're in the ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I know a lot of your listeners will understand what I what I mean by that, and a lot of them probably won't because they haven't been in that situation. Um, but um, your kids they they pick up on quite a bit more than you think. And, um, and they, they've really gotten, uh, they're only five and six years old, um, but they've really already have a great attitude of, of serving and, and, you know, and, and they, they sing on Sundays and they'll bring their own specials that we've practiced and that kind of thing. And, and we're just trying to instill into them, um, because it's our job to instill into them, um, uh, that service and that commitment and that discipline that we were talking about earlier, um, but also um, we've been working here lately, especially extra hard to bring that to all the children, and and that was one thing that um, I've become really passionate about in this past year was uh, um, getting children excited again to serve in church um, because one of these days. Um, you and Dad are going to be dead and gone, and yep. I'm going to be an old man, and and uh, my brother's going to be an old man, and when we're dead and gone, if no, if none of these kids step up and and learn those things, then our church is going to really suffer for that, and so yeah. that's something I've be- become um, really passionate about, and it's 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 blessed us uh, beyond belief, and and um, it, it really speaks to. Uh, um, uh, the parents of, of this congregation and, and the kids as well about how how far that they've come and, and been willing and have learned to serve that. And so that's probably been one of the most rewarding things um, for me in the ministry. All right. Well, Nate, I appreciate you taking time to, to share with us today. Absolutely. And uh, maybe in another 10 years, we'll come back and we'll we'll see where you're at there. There you go. And, and uh, be a lot, lot different. And, and, uh, but I hope still just as positive as it's been today. And I hope it's been an encouragement to our listeners. And I know we've heard from some folks who say, some young people said this has encouraged them to consider ministry. So mm-hmm. I, I hope that this will cons- you'll consider this too. And that if you're trying to run from God, he's, gonna, he's got you at the top of a funnel. And eventually he's going to get you where he wants you to be. That's right. So you might just as well stop running, turn around and go where you know he wants you, right? Amen, brother. All right. Well, share this podcast with your friends and co-workers in Christ if it's a blessing to you. And until next time, this is Evangelist Tom Weaver saying goodbye and may God pour down his blessings on you.
like a Mississippi rain.